Hey guys, welcome into the Corked Up Podcast uh, NBA com- Conference Semifinals or Divisional Finals or however you Yahoo decides to to phrase it. Um, so yeah, we're gonna talk some NBA. Obviously, uh, it's just gonna be Frank and I. Nas may jump in halfway through. He's uh, still figuring out if he wants to come in and get grilled by us um, <laughs> once again. So um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of have to wait and see. But for now, it's just gonna be Frank and I discussing uh, the conference semifinals now that the second round of the NBA playoffs has been wrapped up. A um, few surprises along the way. Get into that. So let's, uh, Frank, let's start in the East, and we'll start with uh, <laughs> one of the more interesting, one of the more surprising uh, playoff series that came and went, uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers, the one seed, best team in the East, losing and seven games to the Atlanta Hawks at home. Frank, what did you think of Game 7 uh, overall? And then, um, you know, what, what did you think about the series? Was I mean, I, I think you and I are going to have to eat our words a little bit. I, I mean, that we are. Because we had the New York Knicks beating the Atlanta Hawks. Um, not that we were super high on the Knicks, but I just think we were that low on the Hawks. And... Trey Young has just proven us wrong, man. Like, he he's one of those guys that has continued to prove me wrong since the start of his NBA career. Um, I saw a guy, and I may have even said this on the podcast before, I saw a guy who wasn't necessarily as efficient as Steph Curry but tried to play like Steph Curry. was a little bit smaller, maybe a little bit more frail, for lack of a better word. And I'm, I'm, I love that he proved me wrong. You know, like, that's the one thing I think me and you – whether we said this on the podcast or not, like when I evaluate someone or give my thoughts on someone, I'm not the type of guy that will continue to like try to find reasons to prove myself right in a prediction. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'm okay saying that. And Trey Young, goddammit, has proved me wrong because this dude is a monster. And just like I told you and Nas after the New York series, I love that he turned into the bad guy that series. Like the Knicks fans are like cussing him out on TikTok and like, Snapchats are coming out like that's great for the NBA and man he has been playing ball um game seven and it's not just game seven man and this this is really like gonna be the overarching thing I think that'll dominate this conversation before we move on what is wrong with Ben Simmons I mean it's not even I get he can't shoot like there, there have been players in this league point guards in particular that just can't shoot but have done other things to lead their teams to victory this guy is like passing up open dunks. Like how far in your head do you have to be to pass up open dunks to, to, you know, to get it to a guy in double cover. It, it was, it, it was very, very strange seeing what he was doing, especially late in games, fourth quarters in particular. Um, I thought Joel Embiid played ball. I mean, he, he is who he is. He played very well, but I think, First of all, th- th- this this was my my first this was a thought I had last summer when they were talking about it wasn't just the Miami Heat who who uh, passed up on a James Harden trade it was also Philly with Ben Simmons as uh, the centerpiece of that. The NBA fans, particularly to the young ones who listen, stop falling in love with your role players. Stop falling in love with potential. You trade potential as early as you can in the NBA to get a bona fide star. You're telling me that James Harden and Joel Embiid don't win this series? A healthy, uh, you know, obviously Harden is hurt. I'm talking about what we know of James Harden, a healthy James Harden. 
They don't, and all love to Trey, all love to Atlanta. I'm taking my chances with Joel Embiid and James Harden probably to win the East. You're talking about, because then with, with Brooklyn, you just have Kyrie and, and Durant. I think I'm taking my chances with that Philly squad. And it's like, when are we going to get past as front offices, as fans? We learned this as Bulls fans. We hung on to Luol Deng and Ben Gordon to not get Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Yeah, but but I, I'm not gonna act like I knew what I was doing when I was a kid. I was like, we have to give up Ben and Luol. Like, yeah. oh man, that's a lot. And then I'm looking back as an adult, and I'm like, who who are the meatheads around me as like the 12 year old that allowed me to think this way? Right. And I'm seeing that in Philly, man. Like, because now, what is his trade value? Who do you wh- what do you give up for him? Like, if if I if you're the Bulls, and I don't mean to make this Bulls centric, even though we are Bulls fans. What do you, I mean, do you give up, I'm cool with giving up Kobe White. What else do we give up? Like his trade value is so low right now. It's like, what else do you give up for this guy? That's yeah. like, but before it becomes too much, you know what I mean? And it's, I want to leave, I, I want to ask this and I'll throw it to you because again, we've seen guards who don't have jump shots. Rajon Rondo is a, is a clear example with those Boston teams, even Chicago teams and other teams that he's helped win with. But, like, he had this basketball IQ about him, and he had this passing savviness about him that led to wins. Ben doesn't give me that, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, what, I, right. defensively, he's phenomenal. On the offensive side, he doesn't seem to have that sort of IQ. He doesn't seem to be that amazing Magic Johnson type of passer or Rajon Rondo type of passer. What ex- Or even Jason Kidd before he got a jump shot. What does he do well offensively? Nothing. It's like there doesn't seem to be anything there at all. He's not Nothing. aggressive when he needs to be. He can't shoot. He's a good passer, but not like someone who controls the game. So, like, where do they go from here? Like, who do they even tread? Like, what the hell are, are the options for Philly at this point? Yeah, I mean, like, he, to me, is like what? He's a better Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Do you remember in I the do. 2012 yep. draft, Anthony Davis was the clear number one. MKG was number two. Like, locked in. That's that's who the top two players were. And Kid Gilchrist, his biggest thing, I mean, he had the awful jump shot. I, like, Ben Simmons doesn't have an ugly shooting form. Like, right. he should be a good shooter, at Agreed. least for mid-range. Like, he has the length, like, he has crazy length. He should be able to get to the basket. But he seems just totally fine with not scoring the basketball. And it just... It just doesn't work when when you're dependent on to be either the top two or the top three option on the team. Like the last four games or the last three games of the series, he didn't score more than ten points. Like that's you that that can't happen. That can't the recipe for success can't be um Embiid, Seth Curry, and then Tobias Harris. Like that that can't that's not gonna work. That's why you're not getting past the fifth seeded Hawks. Like, it's just, it, it's not going to work. And Ben Simmons, I mean, defensively, he's not even, he doesn't, he's not like an elite shutdown defender either. Like, if it, it would be one thing if he was. Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, that was kind of what he relied on. He was, he was a very good on-the-ball defender. But, I mean, Ben Simmons doesn't really give you a whole lot in terms of steals and things like that. Like, he plays like a small forward should. But, as the point guard. It's it's very weird. And where they go from here, 
you have you you have to move Ben Simmons. You have to move him yep. for whatever you can. There's going to be teams that I think will pay for him. Um, you know, I think they'll pay for potential. They they see something there that maybe they feel they can fix. But I hope it's not the Bulls. Let's just yeah. let's just say that I, I I do unless it's like like you said. I mean, if they can get give up maybe some role players that I think have kind of you know Lowry Markkinen, Kobe White, maybe guys. Who, and if I'm being honest, I would rather keep Kobe White than get Ben Simmons. I'd rather have Lonzo Ball at this point. That's I agree. Something well, that, I that's my target. That, that's that's the Bulls' target yeah. for me. Yeah, and that's not something I I think either what either of us would have been saying at the beginning of the season. But it's like this is just happening happening too consistently, right? Like yep. The, yep. the 76ers, they get to a certain point where they look really damn good, and then the playoffs come and the offense has changed because everything's slowed down and they, he can't create guys aren't, they're not backing, you know, they're not help defense. They're not helping on, on defense because they don't need to. They know he's not going to, he's basically like, uh, it's, it's basically a center dribbling the ball up the court. Like they just know he's not going to shoot. Joel Embiid shoots threes. Ben Simmons does not. That's insane to me. That that is yep. that is the case, and you know that was his biggest knock and coming out of college was he doesn't score, he doesn't shoot the ball that well. Like that's that was his thing, and he he just doesn't seem aggressive, right? Like he that's seems, the biggest thing. Yeah, but it's like where I'm at a loss with it though, and I, I'm glad you brought up Lonzo, is that Lonzo isn't the most aggressive either. But we've seen him in faster-paced systems where it's like, this right. guy's a point guard. He can he, create. He makes the right pass, whether it's a hockey yeah. pass, whether it's a, you know what I mean, whether it's an actual assist. So I've seen people say, well, you know, maybe you're a little too down on Ben. Not me, but just like people are a little too down on Ben. Like, and the right system, he can do really well. What does he do well? What is the right system for him? Because yeah. he didn't give me that Lonzo feel. Even before this year when Lonzo's jumper got really good, he clearly put in the work. I was like, this kid can be a starting point guard somewhere. I can see him being a really inter- integral piece to a really good team because he has the point guard qualities. Ben Simmons plays like a power forward, like, like a, a, almost like a Hidu Turgaloo type. Yeah. But Hidu could shoot the rock. That was the biggest difference. Like a, a stretch forward that can handle the ball, almost a point forward. It's like there's something missing in his game that just he doesn't quite have the point guard skills, but he doesn't quite yeah. have the scoring skills to kind of make him that tweener type to plug him in somewhere. What it, what is the I, I like that's where I'm at a loss. I don't know if you have an answer or if anyone does. What is this right system for him that he can go to? I've seen people say, you know, a perfect fit may be the Wizards. Like they sort of need a change of pace too. Maybe you know him and pair him and Beal, but like. I don't think that's a good pairing either. I don't know what he does well to fit somewhere. Yeah. I just, I, I, what I just don't understand is like, why does he not shoot the ball? Like I, 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 no one's going to be mad if he's taking shots. Like if he's, if he, like, if he goes, you know, three for 10, no one's going to be mad at him. Like that's what your best players are supposed to do. They're supposed to score the ball. And he just doesn't shoot the ball. Like what I'm going to take a look right now. Take a look at that, that game seven uh, box score right here. Uh, I'm going to give you the numbers and it's pulling up really quick. Um, Ben Simmons was two for four. In the fourth or in the whole game? The whole game. 
Yeah, that's he was crazy. Two for four. You have nuts. Embiid taking 21 shots, Tobias Harris 24 shots, Seth Curry, Cork Maz. Cork Maz took six shots. He took two more shots than arguably your third best player. Yeah. I think and you're you know, your potential superstar. Like that's what Ben Sim that's what the 76ers have held out hope. They moved on from Markel Fultz because they were like, no, we got Ben Simmons. We're good. And you, you can't well, I just don't get why he's afraid to take shots. Like he doesn't take threes either. Like it's one thing, I think, for him to be like, all right, you know what? I'm just not very comfortable around the rim. Like I don't like you know, driving into the paint. I don't like that. It's it's not comfortable for me. But then like why not shoot threes? Just try and open something up. Like, yeah, you're not doing your team any favors when every time you drive, teams are expecting you to pass it, right? Yep. To 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 give it up to somebody. Like, that that doesn't do anything for an offense. I I don't know when the last time I saw a paint collapse on him. Now that you said that, I'm thinking back of in this particular series, and every time that he drove. Whoever, like someone was in the corner, usually the defender is going to come in to try and, you know, help. I, I didn't see that. I can't remember when I saw that this series because they just knew he was going to pass, and yeah. w- whether it was an open pass or not. And I think what it's gotten to him is like he's so far in his head that he's scared of fans or media saying, oh, this guy went three for 15, that he's not shooting at all. And the reverse happened where it's like, dude, just fucking shoot. And that yeah. was like, I mentioned this when we were talking about LeBron, not to make this about LeBron, but like, I remember that being one of my critiques when he was in Miami, when I was just like, you know, in the fourth quarter, you can't clam up. I'm taking like, cause people always talked about Kobe in some of those finals where he was like seven for 40. I'll take that over three for eight any day of the week. I need to live and die with my best player. Yep. That's my philosophy. I, I want my best player to go four for 40 versus one for five or one for four. You can't stop shooting. That's the whole point. You can't. And and Ben has not only stopped shooting in fourth quarter, he, he, he stopped shooting for whole games. Yeah. He stopped trying yeah. to score for, and, and that's not going to help your team win. You you can't have, you can't have Ben Simmons only having four shots. And, and that, I mean, you know, Doc Rivers, I mean, he should, he should really be thankful for that Celtics, for that Celtics team that, that really took him above and beyond and made him one of the all-time great coaches. I mean, dude does nothing with the Clippers. Yeah. And now he's doing – like, he. that's something he needs to identify and be like, why Why has Ben not been shooting? Like, that's something he needs to coach up. Like, that's his job. Get Ben aggressive. Don't – what? why is that the offense? I, I, I don't understand. I that, that was I- – that was disappointing. That was a disappointing way to end that series because it, it j- almost just felt like this isn't how it should go out. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, From a fan's perspective, it's definitely anticlimactic. You want there to be, especially for a Game 7 as big as it was, and then Philly blew two huge leads that series. Yeah. But yep. I, I, I disagree with one point about Doc saying that it's his job to get him more aggressive. I don't – I mean, if that's just not who Ben is, it's not who he is – where I agree with you, though, is that an adjustment needs to be made. And if he's not going to shoot, you sit him in the fourth point blank period. Uh, someone else has to be out there if he's not going to be the one to do it. You know what I mean? Like, because they asked him afterwards, like, can he be a great point guard on a, on a winning team? And he was like, I really don't know. So if that's where you are with this guy, I get maybe for the first half of the series, you're like, all right, I'm going to, you know, trust you and, and, you know, put you out there. But 
you can't worry about a guy's confidence when it's your ass on the line at the end of the day. You're going to get fired too, whether or not Ben is traded if they feel like you're not the guy. So that was, you know, he needed to do something, whether it was to get Ben aggressive or whether it was to put someone else out there and he just didn't. So he definitely shares some of that blame as well. I mean, that's really everything for me. I'm excited for the Atlanta-Milwaukee series. I know we're going to get into Milwaukee and Brooklyn here too. Did you have any lasting thoughts on Philly and Atlanta? Not too much more. I mean, I just think, you know, the, the 76ers kind of, I, I'm, I, you can't even really be su- surprised at this point. They just kind of do what they do, right? With yeah. these, these like teams that, that always, you know, you, you crave to see parody in the NBA, but there's just so many teams who just don't take advantage. And it's, it's it's it was disappointing because I, 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 I want to keep watching Joel Embiid in the playoffs. I think that that was some guy like he he really took a step this this year in, in yep. the playoffs. For sure. Like he looked like the the dominating player that they took that the 76ers were like, just just wait, just wait until you see him. It's it's going to be worth it. So um, but, you know, I think the Hawks are, are entertaining in their own right. So, yeah, I'm excited about that next series. And um Kind of what Frank was alluding to, uh, you know, the seven game series between Milwaukee and Brooklyn. I mean, just fucking night and day. I mean, the the games one and two series is over, right? Brooklyn is fuck. Game two, the Nets win 125 to 86. Like that's that's it. So Giannis is, you know, Frank is ready to jump on Giannis for being a a, a true bum, but then Brooklyn kind of just fell apart a little bit, Frank, and you know. They just they they couldn't they couldn't hang on to it just being Durant. They they weren't deep enough to survive being without Harden a couple games and you know being without uh, Kyrie Irving. Like it just just didn't work. So Frank, what were what were some of your thoughts on on that series? I mean, I I didn't have very many takeaways from it. I mean, Milwaukee looked like Milwaukee to me. Like they did what they did. We know what Giannis is, you know, um, some really good games, but when it counts, he just doesn't have a jumper. So a lot of the times you're you're relying on Chris Middleton to make these clutch shots. Like I was joking in group chats, like I've never seen a number two option take this many clutch shots. And then y'all get mad at him versus Giannis for not having a jumper. Uh, so those were funny conversations. But I mean, I think it went exactly like I said it it, it would go. If, if Brooklyn had at least two of their stars healthy, I think they win that series. Um, but as soon as... Harden goes down and I'm still in groove. I'm like, look, I think Kyrie and KD are enough. Um, they disagreed. And then I think they won a game with those two still healthy, or at least Kyrie played a half of that game, if I'm remembering right. But then as soon as Kyrie goes down and it's just KD, I'm like, oh, I get, I have Milwaukee in six or seven. There's no shot that just KD is carrying the rest of the, I mean, that team is top. I mean, if you look in the definition of top heavy the, the 2021 Brooklyn Nets are, are like the picture next to the definition. Like they are, uh, you lose two of your stars, you're done. You don't have that much depth. Um, so, I mean, that that's just kind of what it was for me. Um, but in, in the scope of parity and the scope of, you know, this is sort of anyone's year, Milwaukee might fuck around and win it all now. Like the, the, the road through Atlanta isn't as tough. I, I, I like the matchup for them a lot, actually, because I just don't know who exactly what exactly Atlanta's going to, for, for all of the slack that I've given Giannis that a lot of people have, I don't know what Atlanta does to stop his play style. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be very, very interesting, but I didn't have very many 
you know, very much more than that. I mean, if Brooklyn stays healthy, this is probably their year, I think, because those three, I mean, we saw them functioning at a very high level at the end of the first round and the beginning of this series. And that was a fucking scary team. Man. Those three together were insane. So that, that, that was really everything for me. I didn't have too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, no, I think, I think you hit on a lot of, a, a lot of similar points that I think a lot of people had overall, like Brooklyn proved to be just when they're on, they're one of the best, if not the best team in the NBA. But I mean, to be fair, you know, they weren't healthy. So all three of them together a lot yep. this year. Like it, yep. it was almost like you're kind of if you if you're reading the the tea leaves, you kind of see like, man, is this Brooklyn team going to be able to kind of mesh together and you know stay healthy? And and they just weren't. Um, you know, unfortunately for Brooklyn, but for Milwaukee, obviously they'll <laughs> they'll take it. Um, yeah. And I mean, you just kind of take a look, and you know, Kevin Durant in that game seven was just like he. <laughs> He did everything he possibly could have. I mean, you're talking about literally a couple of inches away from winning the series. Literally, yeah, from from pulling that team out of the grave. And, uh, you know, James Harden, I, you know, I I know he played, like, I'm just, I'm taking a look. Like, he played, KD and James Harden played the entire game, 53 minutes. Like, that is, you know. I mean, James Harden was not. Uh, you can very visibly see he was, especially in game six, game seven, he looked that he had a little bit more pep in his step, but two for 12 from three. That's he, not he was, James Harden. That's, that's no, not, he, he, that's he not wasn't him. at well, all. It was kind of interesting. Cause uh, I mean, a lot of teams really stopped relying on their bench as much as yep. they were like, I'm not saying you need to be playing. You know, I, I know it typically goes to like a, a, you know, seven or eight man rotation, but like, when you're not getting stuff from, from certain players, you kind of have to try something else. And it just, you know, Jeff Green gave him nothing in 13 minutes in that. But, but Jeff Green was a reliable bench player, um, you know, during the season. So it was just kind of like, they're like, all right, we're rolling with our starters and we're just going to kind of see how, how it goes. And, you know, KD, I mean, he really did do everything he possibly could have. Yeah. And that's why I, I don't think, the Bucks are going to have that much trouble with the Atlanta Hawks. I, I'm, th- you know, if, if we want to get into to prediction real quick before oh, we let's, jump let's, to the West. Let's save that. We can do the, right. the West and East predictions at the same okay. time. Because I do want, because Nas is ready, and I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to get him on here. Okay. So he, let's, he, can, uh, he can be a part of that. We can get some quick thoughts. Um, yeah, from Atlanta. We can get some quick thoughts from, from Atlanta. Because yeah. I'm really curious. He He's more dialed in. Uh, when it comes to salaries and like possibilities of trades too. And we're back in the Corked Up podcast. We uh, we were able to find Nas. We were able to to convince him that it's okay. You know, we we don't bite. Not gonna hurt. You know, we're gonna <laughs> well, get he, his opinions. He on, was uh, he was on, drunk on a Miami beach with his D Wade jersey. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's it hurts him. Round one still. There's still some pain. Was there it the for, cotton candy jersey? Was it the the, the Miami Vice? The blue and the it was pink? the Miami Vice. It was. <laughs> That's, it's a good jersey. I like the Miami Vice thing they got going down there. Not so much the newer stuff, but uh, you know, stuff from last year. So, uh, Nas, welcome in back into the Corked Up podcast. Um, as always, we love having you here, especially when we're talking some NBA. Um, so we, Frank and I, gave our thoughts on the Philly Atlanta series, and we just actually wrapped up our thoughts on Milwaukee and Brooklyn. So before we get too far and go into the West, um. You know, give us some thoughts. Philly, Atlanta, we'll, we'll start there. And, um, you know, Frank had, had a question he, he wanted to pose, but we'll get your series questions or your series thoughts, and then he'll give you his question 
uh, regarding Ben Simmons. Uh, yeah, you know, I had a feeling Ben Simmons was going to be a topic. It's been trending this week. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you <laughs> noticed. <laughs> so it's been a rough go for that for my guy. I've been a Ben Simmons supporter for a while, but it's, it's hard to deny that there is something mentally blocking him. Like, I don't really, I can't explain it. And I, I really do think what's going to make a fantastic 30 for 30 is this choice not to shoot from Ben Simmons and then the Markel Fultz thing kind of being intertwined with it and yep, like yeah. I'm just really interested to follow the two of their careers because I've never really seen such like a mental hurdle for two players that were the number one picks in their respective drafts that were teammates and like they're not even attempting to, well, Ben's not even attempting to conquer it. He's been in the league for like five or six years. Fultz, you know, he's, at least he's taking them, but it still looks weird. Yeah. He still knows something's going on. And I just like, I find it like, I find it fascinating. And then just, uh, yeah. So Sixers wise, I mean, the team's just, I mean, they're not built around Joel and B the way it needs to be. They're playing four on five on offense. The dunker spot, which is where Ben spends a lot of his time. One, he's going to be the most successful with the ball in his hands. That is when he's going to be the most successful as an offensive player. Two, you're clogging up the lane for the best post player in a generation. So I just don't, like, it just doesn't make any sense. He's got to go. I think the change of scenery is going to be great. Hawks, I mean, I don't know what the health situation is. I haven't been able, I haven't had a chance to look at it today. If they are healthy with Bogdanovich and he can give it a, a real go for this next series I mean they have they have a shot to the finals I could see them in the finals uh if he's out that series will be over in five or six games um yeah we yeah. can we can do a little bit more of a deep dive with the predictions because I think me and Jack kind of already shown our hand uh before you hopped on so really Nas this is my only question with Ben because you just said the change of scenery can be good. I, I've seen the sentiment, and even in the group chat, I know you and Kevin are like, man, you guys are a, well, more Eugene than me. I haven't been too. I've been reading more than uh, than typing. But it's like, yeah, you're way too down on Ben right now. And a name that came up while we were discussing this was Lonzo Ball, who had some shooting issues earlier in his career. He seemed to this year stabilize that and actually become a pretty good shooter. But even before his him being a shooter, I feel like I was able to look at Lonzo and say this kid can still like whether or not he gets a jump shot he can facilitate an offense he's a really good passer fast break guy he seems to have a command of an offense Ben doesn't give me that he almost feel he he feels more like a point forward like a Hidu Turgolo type without the jumper and I think that sort of hinders the way I view him so I wanted to add, and and correct me if I'm I'm wrong with anything there. But I, the, the main the question I wanted to ask because I've seen people say like man like if he's in the right system we'd be viewing him differently. What exactly is the right system for Ben Simmons? Because I don't look at him like someone who's an elite facilitator. I feel like he's a notch or two below some like someone like Rajon Rondo who didn't have a jump shot but was able to lead good offenses. Someone like Lonzo who maybe hasn't led a good offense but you can sort of see that potential in. What exactly is the system for this guy? Because I'm at a loss for it. Okay, so uh, I think what one I I dis I disagree with the Lonzo take. I think Ben Ben's plus skills are just as good when you okay. outside the shooting. 
elite perimeter defender, elite ball handling for the size, great passer. But his ro- his role has changed, and we haven't seen him do that. And he would probably be a great pick-and-roll player if there was any threat that he would take a shot outside. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, it's just a fact. And, you know, Lonzo, I, you know, a lot of people are high on Lonzo, but I haven't actually seen him run it in an run in offense. The Pelicans offense took off when Zion was starting to bring the ball up and being the key initiator, which I think is a sign that one, that offense probably didn't have that great of a facilitator on the team because you can't have your power forward being the, being the key guy. Cause that's not Zion, even though he's a decent passer for his position, he is not a primary ball handler handler. It's not who he should be. And if you have Lonzo next to him, and you're still opting to go with Zion, that puts some questions in my head in regards to Lonzo. Zoe himself also lacks aggression towards the hoop. Though the three-point shooting has come along, I'm going to really quick take a look at the free throws. I don't think that's, like, he's still not, he's still not a last two-minute player. If he has the ball in his hands, I don't trust him to make the free throws. You can't have that from your lead ball handler. Um, so I'll, I'll take a quick peek at that. And then, um, the right offense around Ben is having four shooters and him being an, a, a one man fast break and then him catching it in the mid post. That's, that's what it needs to be. I mean, so realistically though, can, can that win a championship? Do you think? I stand corrected on Lonzo ball. He shot 78% from free throw this year. Way to go. That's solid. Kid. But took one free throw a game, so he's still right. scared to go to the hoop. No, and, 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 and that's the thing. I I didn't mean to be – if I did come across like I'm super sold on Lonzo, I, I, didn't, I didn't mean it in that aspect. I'm just saying you can squint and say this kid can be a, a really good facilitator. Like he – I can't do – like for me, I can't do that with Ben. That that ship has sailed for me, and I have no idea what I have in, in, in Ben. I mean, I'm not sure – I'm not sure Ben – this kind of reminds me of Evan Turner a little bit. Evan Turner, obviously not an all-star caliber player, but a good role player. Best seasons of his career were when, when the ball was in his hands. It's not even close. And I think what you do is that, that puts him in a position to succeed and to make the teammates around him successful. The overall team success, if you were to do something like that with Ben, I mean, I don't know if it's a playoff team. It might be kind of a Westbrook OKC kind of thing. Maybe maybe they get in the playoffs, but they're a lower seed. Um, I'm not sure it's a championship team with him as the best player in that offense, but I know it's a it's a team that can compete and be pretty good. Um, I just you know when he's your best player and he can't shoot a free throw and he's scared to take them. That's, yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be a lot of rumors swirling, and and we'll see where he goes. I think, I think it's for certain that he's going to be gone, though. I don't. I think Philly has to try something oh, different. I mean, Doc got asked a question like this week about it. He like didn't give a really good answer. He didn't give yeah. a, a vote of confidence. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I I think I think when when Frank is bringing up Lonzo, I think a lot of it is just because I mean, at least Lonzo will shoot the three, like. We, Frank and I were kind of talking about just what you, the first thing you, you talked about was this 
just weird mental block that Ben Simmons seems to have caused for himself where he just it took four shots in a game seven at home. Like, yeah. like how, how does that, how can you walk out of the building being like, yeah, that, that was, that was good. That was good for me. Four shots, get him up. Like, how do you not at least attempt a couple threes? If, if it's driving to the paint, he doesn't feel comfortable around the rim. He doesn't like, you know, the, just, just shoot. Just try. Like, I, I just I don't get it. Like you see him in the in warm ups and I, I know it's warm ups and everyone shoots from wherever in warm ups. But like he's shooting threes in warm ups. I, I don't understand where, why in the in game he's so passive. Like he's just this is everything that people criticize 2011 LeBron for in, in the playoffs. This this is what this is, except LeBron, of course, could score from anywhere. Um but this this is it. How do you take four game or four shots in a game seven at home? As I think built up to be yeah. the star, one of the stars on the team. Like that just yeah. it, it makes uh, no sense. It, it also it's makes it a mental block. It, yeah, I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of it has to do is with it is where he's getting these touches. The dunker spot isn't it like I don't really. I never really loved it before. But I mean, that's where he's getting his touches on the offense. It's not a great look at the rim. It's lit- It's probably one of the st- catching the ball eight feet from the rim is literally like statistically the least valuable shot. If he were to take that, it's the least valuable shot in the league if contested. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's not a, it's not a situation for success. If Ben was catching it at the elbow with uh, the ability to face up, and he was the focal point of an offense. We probably we probably see him eating because he's too fast for big men and he's too big for guards. But so is that's that, not how it's built. Is is that is that a Doc thing then? Is that something that Doc should have been able to recognize and change? Like I, I just I just don't get how how that if that is statistically the worst you know and, and you know worst attempted shot in the league. Why is your one of your better players not going to say he's their best player? He's clearly not, but at least the third option or what should be the third option on an offense. Why why is he catching it there then? Or is that just like I, I, mean, I just don't understand how that how that happens? It, it doesn't make sense. I mean, one stars run this league, so right. What what really needed to happen for this Sixers team to be its most successful is to stagger the Embiid Simmons minutes. And give Simmons, yeah, that's and, a good and take. Give, and give Simmons free reign for possessions and minutes, and then you kind of try to figure out what your closing lineup is. I mean, I get that there has to be some crossover if they're both playing thirty plus minutes a game, yeah. but at least you give Ben if if he gets the primary minutes while Embiid is off the floor, especially in the first half, at least gives him an opportunity to, oh, this is my offense. I get to be aggressive here. He put if he puts the ball in the basket a few times, at least you have a confident Ben Simmons going into the second half. Um, but Ben, I mean, for whatever reason, has I mean, he, I don't know if it was Doc coming in and it's his first year and it was too drastic a change or what. Maybe the front office fed him in his ear like, hey, this is the lineup we need. This is blah, 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 blah. I really don't know what it is. I think there's a variety of factors. I think the fact that Simmons was already an established star plays a role in it. I think if Simmons is a rookie or a second-year player, Doc yeah. probably has Doc probably has a little more discretion on how he wants to use the lineups. 
you just don't have you i mean as much cachet as doc has which he has a lot you can tell the players like playing for him yeah i mean i i i don't know if that that's a pretty big dick swing if you're just gonna be like oh you're a two-time all-star the all-defensive <laughs> team player now we're gonna stagger you. You're only gonna play the first four minutes of first, and then we're gonna sit right. you in, and Embiid's gonna eat, and then at like the ten minute mark, then you're gonna play for the next eight minutes. Like, I don't know how Ben would respond to something like that. That feels like a lot. Yeah, no, that's fair. And then really quick, the Milwaukee Brooklyn series. I feel like me and Jack were kind of on the same page here. I think if two of those stars for Brooklyn are are completely healthy, they probably win that. Yeah. Um, and, and again, I know I have friends, we have friends that are Packer fans that are Bucks fans. They're not going to like that take, but Milwaukee just sort of looked like Milwaukee to me. You know, Giannis did what Giannis does. Chris Middleton still sort of takes more clutch shots than any number two option I've ever seen in my life, but they scathed by. I, I feel like I didn't learn much about either team or, or learn anything different. It just kind of was what it was. And it came to the end where it was just KD versus, <laughs> versus uh, Milwaukee in game seven. Yeah, I mean, this is where context matters more than anything. I think Mike Budenhoser is one of the worst playoff coaches I've ever fucking seen. Like, My Bucks friends agree with you. My Bucks it, friends it, agree with you it, 100%. It's pretty staggering. Like, it's – I have a lot of respect for Bud, like, because he clearly – he clearly, from a philosophical perspective, he actually really understands how to make a team come together, how to get them play well for a regular season – Man, this guy does not know how to make adjustments. It's yeah, it's messed up. And and like and there are a lot of coaches like this we see in every sport. We're gonna play our way. The other team's gonna have to figure us out. We're not changing for anybody. When you get to the very best and you're playing the best player on the planet, I mean, you're not better than him. Like you, you're gonna have to make the adjustments. And so that offense was ugly. Like I. I don't understand. Like, it really felt like Milwaukee was, like, this free-flowing thing uh, during the regular season. The ball movement wasn't great, but at least the ball was moving. I think yeah. I think uh, in that playoff series, I think they averaged, like, a significant number of passes less than the Brooklyn Nets, the best ISO team in the league <laughs> by far. They averaged less passes then. I don't even understand how that's possible. Yeah. I mean... I mean, we'll see what happens against the Hawks. I just looked up the Bogdanovich stuff. I feel like he will at least play in the series. We'll see if he gets to go for game one. I mean, if the Hawks are feeling themselves, I think anything can happen here. I mean, I, I don't. That's going to be that's going to be a fun set. Well, we'll we, we can dive in before we hop off with some predictions, because um, I definitely want your to so you're more in tune with like role players and such that you can maybe break it down a little bit better. Um, but we have we have not uh, dived into the Western Conference side of things. Uh, Jack, okay. we move in. We move into Utah and in the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, we can we can do that. And um, Frank, let's let's start with you. Let's let's start with you. Um, you know, I this was this was I I enjoyed the series for for the most part. Um, you know, what what were your thoughts on on Utah basically? You know, win one game win the next game and then just get swept from there on out. Well, yeah. What were some big thoughts, some key takeaways from there? I mean, for, for me, I remember asking you this Jack and I, I asked our group chat and I was like, as number one seeds, is anyone really scared of Philly and Utah? 
<laughs> and this was kind of why they just didn't have like that it factor. But that being said, Donovan Mitchell is is a fucking killer. I I, I mean I like him a ton. And and remember I had told you Nas like, um, because I well Eugene was much more down on him. I was never that down on him, but. I've just come to a space where I see super young athletic players and I'm like, all right, you got to show me, you got to prove me something because we've seen so many young athletic guys just like never develop a jumper or never really like develop fundamentals. He's just gotten by with athleticism the whole time. And D Mitch, man, not that I, I didn't, I, I sort of stopped predicting young players. Like I've been scorned from young athletes, like thinking like he's going to be the next great guy and they just never pan out. So I just sort of like wait and see, but he has come I mean, just with this jumper, with the consistency of that, like he, he played well, uh, but it's just so hard for me to, to not think of the damning stat and, and Nas, I hope I'm not swooping in, uh, with any of your takes here, but you had, you were just like, no team has won the finals having to go six or seven every single series. And like that, like the Clippers just seem like they make it so much harder on themselves than it has to be. Like they're just so fucking dead set on having a series go past five uh, because they're clearly the more talented team. I think, I mean, I think now that Kawhi's hurt, we have no idea what's going to happen this next series, but like he was healthy. Well, except for the last two, even with Paul George top to bottom, you probably have a better roster overall uh, than Utah. And it was just, but it was an entertaining series, but um, yeah, I just was never scared as Utah with, with Utah being the number one. I just didn't feel like they had, you know, the it thing going for him. Uh, but Paul George, I think is starting to reshape narratives here because he played really well. Uh, those last couple games without Kawhi. Yeah. Nas. And then if, if you want to go ahead and, and share your thoughts on, on the Clippers and, and Utah, um, follow up on Frank, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk big picture things about both teams really quick. Um, I think that the Utah Jazz are going to run this group back um, for sure. The, I mean, number one seed, great season. Super, super cool for them to like have such a great season. Ended terribly, obviously. But, I mean, best player playing on one leg. Best player come out of the series. I mean, they're not the type of team built for that to happen. They're the time to the, the, injury wise. They're they're not like and no team really is, but some teams can like clearly the Nets could have withstood one injury and still made it to the finals. You know, like you you can have these things happen, but I mean the the Jazz, they're balanced. It's predicated on everybody doing their part, and if you have two of your top three players on the team at 50% and then 0% essentially. Uh I mean you're not going to win that series and it makes you look shitty. I mean it makes you look worse than you are, you know. Um it's it's I mean a lot of this is recency bias. Everyone's shitting on Gobert and like it's like <laughs> I mean, what's he supposed to do? There's five dudes, there's five dudes out there that are 6-8 and under, they're all shooting threes. What what big man defensive player of the year is going to stop that? Not one. Yeah. Okay. So you have to make a choice, rim runs or contest. And he clearly got mentally fucked up with it because he looked lost because his brain was telling him to do one thing, but like being conventional was telling him to, uh, like what like what was happening to him was confusing him. So I think that's more on Quinn Snyder than anything else in that particular moment. I think the Clippers, I, I, 
The Kawhi thing's weird to me. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he plays this series. We'll see if he makes it. Uh, Paul George, I mean, guy's been getting shat on, but a lot of that is recency bias. Like, he's had, he's essentially had two recent bad playoff runs, and he's had, like, four or five really good ones. It's just that between the broken leg, between a team being shitty here and there, like, we just haven't seen him do it in a while. But he was more than capable of doing it. I'm, I'm actually pretty happy for him. We'll, we'll see how the series goes. The Clippers, even if Kawhi was healthy, I wouldn't be convinced the Clippers were going to win against the Nets. If they were going to meet the Nets in the finals, I no doubt the Nets were going to make light work of them. But this seems to be the season for the haunted franchise, and I freaking <laughs> love it. And I just want to see who chokes for who. Uh, I want to see who chokes the least out of these four. Think about who we're dealing with here, okay? Yeah. We got the clip. The Clippers are in the third round for the first time as a franchise. Now, they've been around for fucking ever. <laughs> the Hawks. The Hawks' best moment was like a series loss to the Celtics in like the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the the Suns. Yeah. When was the last time the Suns won? I, have the Suns ever won a championship? I mean, Barkley's uh, like Barkley's like the best moment of that franchise. Well, that, recent, na- you in, can't in, you, in Nash. Years. You can't discount the Nash teams that made it to some conference finals. Well, I mean, they didn't do. They they just they didn't just, win it, but they, 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 yeah, finals, yeah. You know, yeah. And like, then you got the Bucks who last. Charles, <laughs> Kareem yeah, Abdul-Jabbar last won them a championship. Jesus. I know. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. And then the Bucks, yeah, the Bucks, like this is insane. And I'm, I'm, I mean, it, it's cool in a way. Like I think it's nice to have these, like a fresher breath there. We have got, we got a couple young teams in here. We got some veteran teams in here. It's really cool. I think this is tailor made for the Suns to come away with a championship. But you know, just when you think the Suns, the going things are going the Suns' way, freaking Chris Paul gets COVID. So I mean, this is just this is unbelievable. Hey. Um, but Dev, Dev showed a different side to his game, though. He, I, I think he's taken a lot from Chris Paul and just how to control a game, especially in the half-court sense. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, I, I think this is what, this is definitely what Frank and I have been asking for for a long time when it comes to the NBA. Just give us some sort of parity, and, and that's what's going to happen this year. Like, the Atlanta, Milwaukee, Clippers, Phoenix, that's not exactly what you think about when you think of powerhouse NBA franchises. But I will, um, but Jack, with, with that, I, I will say this though. I I feel like we're getting parity this year because of injuries. And granted, that's sort of the case with the NFL, just because it's such a physical sport. Mm-hmm. But I hope the silver lining is that it does cause a lot of movement on teams. They're like, you know what, fuck it. We have to break certain guys up or do certain things to like spread that out a little bit more to continue to have this. Because again, I think a healthy Nets team, we saw them firing yeah. at at the end of that first round and the beginning of that series with Milwaukee, I don't think anyone yeah, even, even close if all three Nets, of them are healthy. Even if, the, even if it is the Nets, you're still getting parity because that's fair. I, I guess in 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 you mean franchise you are, but just player wise, it's like you kind of look at the roster like these three guys are you know together are a bit much. But I mean for this season, I'm not complaining one bit. This has been one of the more entertaining. No, this has been the most entertaining playoff series in our our, our just whole playoffs. In quite some time for me, I've really enjoyed this. Yeah, it's definitely, and and you know, I, you gotta uh, one thing. You know, Nas mentioned it, and it's you know, Frank and I, I think talk about this literally every time we have a podcast. Um, we talk about context, and 
you know, something I don't think should get lost in this is the fact that the Clippers tank the end of the season to avoid the Lakers and, you know, kind of ended up working out pretty well for them. So, um, you know, got to give them some credit, even without, you know, without Kawhi playing, still able to kind of roll past the number one seed. I thought that was uh, fairly well done um, for them. You know, Terrence Mann just kind of coming out of nowhere um, and, and doing his thing. So, yeah, Paul George looking like Paul George again. Um, you know, Utah, they're pro- they're going to run it back. But I, I think to Frank's point, you know, are you scared of them when it comes to playoff time? And I think the answer right it now feels, is no. But. I, with Utah, I mean, they feel like the Derrick Rose Bulls, right? Like that MVP year, like you're really only going as far as Derrick can take you. Like, I know they have good role players, but it just like they don't have that second guy, really. No, and they don't that's, have this Middleton. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, hey, you put you put Chris Middleton on that team. That's a fucking good squad right there. You put him next to D. Because I think D. Mitch is a, a legit number one guy. I mean, this dude is is balling, but he didn't have anyone next to him. I mean, I think um, I think the Jazz are built in today. They are built the way they have to be in today's league. The Jazz will never have a second absolute superstar on their team they're gonna get an aging star like mike conley they're gonna get very good value if they can draft correctly like they did with rudy gobert they can those those things can happen for them they can draft d mitch and get him at 13 and like hit like that's the way they're gonna have to be built they're never gonna get the talent above everything is going to win you type of player like they're just that's not who they are they're built the way they have to be and if they're healthy in this particular season i really do think they give the clippers a great match and possibly win that series and they're title contenders if they're healthy but they caught the injury bug like a lot of teams this year did. but they're they're never like I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, like, sh- like shitting on Gobert. They're talking about Demich leaving. It's just like, man, that's that's a stress. That's a stressful job if you're like, a, if you're the GM of a team like the Thunder or the Jazz. You're never gonna be luring these teammates, right. these these stud teammates in. It's all gonna be about who you bring in other under the radar that you think has like a high ceiling or yeah. hitting on a draft pick. It, and it's just gonna like. And the Jazz were really good this year. They really were. And they that I think that Bulls comp is a really good comp. They're good. They really are the definition of a great team. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, when you don't have the superstar, plethora, like the plethora of superstars, injuries really come back to bite you for that sort of team. You know, Lakers had LeBron with a bum ankle and eight and, you know, eight and 80 wasn't 100 percent. And we still weren't sure the Suns were going to beat them. You know, like, I, you know, like, Jazz, the Jazz have a key injury to one of their top players. I'm confident they're going to lose that series. There's yeah. no, if you know, like, yeah, it's just, you know, and like you, you replace D-Mitch with like, you know, any of the top five guys. I'm pretty sure they still maybe come away with that series, but it's just like they're deep. But no one on that team, it no one, no one on that team's ceiling is top five level talent. Just, it's just not. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I, I just, that's the thing that the Grizzlies are going to have to do 
that's the thing that the Thunder are going to have to do. Like, those guys are just never – Ja is a god – like, that. that is a gift from the basketball gods for Memphis. I'm so happy for them that they have Ja because they're not going to get another one. You know, you can say what you want about Jaron Jackson Jr. He doesn't look right. Maybe going into next season he does. Maybe he ends up becoming a second star. No one's – no free agent signing there. So, hopefully – like, he better be, like – or, you know, or it's time to go, like, and then, you know, at the draft, I hope you hit again. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Any, um, yeah. I feel like there weren't very yeah. many takeaways from Phoenix and Denver. I mean, Phoenix yeah. was just, like, clearly up and down, sweep, better team. Jokic yeah. played, ve- I mean, it, it, the, well, I guess really my only takeaway, I thought it was super cool that the, the game that uh, the, the Joker got kicked out of, he uh he had like twenty what was it twenty boards at that point it was it was like only the middle of the third and then people at the end of the game I forget who it was they were like he had twenty re- I mean that's the MVP I mean that's a- what are you supposed to say he played <laughs> yeah yeah Aiden said that and I'm just like I, I thought that was it, it came a point where I think it was very clear that Phoenix was the better team um and it became more like laxed throughout you were able to just sort of appreciate really good basketball. Uh, from both sides while seeing a, a clearly superior team by about midway through game two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's not a whole, there's not a whole. Yeah. I just didn't, thing. I didn't, I think no, but it, I mean, but I, I will say I, that the, the, the most interesting thing from the series is, you know, some drunk fan in the stands, just, you know, punching people left and right. Like that, that's going to be the most memorable thing from that series for years to come. That That's about it. That's true. Uh, that is true. And I know, I know every team has gotten hit with the injury bug, but this was a series where it was like, man, I really would have loved to seen what happened if uh, Murray was there. Cause I, I don't think it go, I think Phoenix may be still the better team, but like, it's not a sweep. It's a competitive series no, I, with Murray. If, if Murray's healthy, I think the Nuggets are a title team. Oh no, for yeah. sure. And, and, uh, right. Uh, again, yeah. it, it, that very well, very, very well may be the case. I'm just saying like this particular series, seeing the way that went down and just seeing the limitations yeah. of just having Jokic, it's like, Oh man, like that, that, that kind of hurt. Yeah. Uh, I want to get your instant reactions of the Bulls landing the eighth pick. I, in this year. I was, I was just, just going to say, say the breaking news. Pistons got number one. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the lottery is the Pistons, the Rockets got number two, the, the Cavs are at three, which I mean, you know, kind of surprised to not see the Cavs at number one, considering their fucking luck with the lottery over the last couple of years. Uh, the Raptors at four, Magic at five, Thunder six, Warriors seven. But then, of course, the big one is the Bulls landed the eighth pick, uh, which, goes which to the immediately magic. goes to the Magic. Yep. Uh, yep. I mean, and the Voots, that's actually kind of great trade. because it's like such a classic lottery result for the Bulls, the eighth pick, you know? Yep. Just, yeah, I mean, it would have been better if it was the seven. But you're just not there, you know? And it's right. like, all right, Orlando, have fun taking another scrub at eight. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Like, it, the, oh, the only thing, you know, I, I, I think I think if the Bulls would have landed one or two, obviously, Cade Cunningham or, you know, Jalen Suggs potentially at number two, whatever, um, you know, the, the, the kid from USC – was really good in the tournament. Like, unless they were getting one through three, I, I really don't think this draft, there, there's not a whole lot to this draft, in my opinion. I could be proven wrong very easily, but, um, you know, I, it, it, you're right. It's it's kind of like, yes, it's, it's frustrating that the Bulls 
you know, weren't, aren't, aren't going to be able to draft at number eight. But even if they were drafting at eight, you just, I mean, you're not getting a whole lot. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. So like, even, so even if they have uh, kept that first it pick, it it them matters. winning the lottery, they have to win the lot. Like they have to win the lottery for it to matter. I mean, it's just, well, I it's, guess for, for me, the, the way that I'm looking at it though, is like, we're losing the eighth pick. So effectively we got Vucevic versus the, I'm taking Vuce over number eight, I think pretty, pretty easily, generally speaking. So I'm 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 completely okay. H- had we been giving it up and we're getting like Markel Fultz or something, I'd be upset. But yeah, <laughs> yeah like you're you're he's a better player than anyone you get at eight. Like that's obviously. I mean, well, well, I I I'm always slow to judge these because you never know. There's gonna there's a player on the other end of that pick. Okay. For sure, one hundred percent. And there's circumstance that you'd have to take into consideration for like and I recently the Isaiah Thomas trade with the Cavs has really like been in my brain and remember the Nets got fleeced for those three picks by Boston for the KG Pierce trade Mm -hmm. the Nets in Boston that third pick after the first two were Tatum and Brown that third pick gets traded to the Cavs for Kyrie Irving who they assume is going to sign with them doesn't do that and Isaiah Thomas that pick was like the seventh or eighth pick and ended up being Colin Sexton so the Cavs ended up getting a cornerstone at that pick because, uh, you know, they scouted and they found the player. So I don't want to say it doesn't matter. There's a player on the other end of that pick. Now, do I trust the Magic to fuck it up? Yeah, I really do. And But if that, that there is a scenario where that pick absolutely becomes a stud. There, that's, that's there, are, there are plenty of all-stars that have been selected at number eight. So that could pan out for them, and that could be a 10-year player for them. And we only have Vooch in his prime for three or four more years. So we'll, we'll see how that pans out. I don't want to be too quick to judge, but I, as of right now, it's looking worth it. But we'll see who that ends up being on the other side of that. You know? what, what I would say in, in response to that is not necessarily disagreeing with you, because I think if I – my, you know, couple – for the last 20 years, my counter would be, well, it's it's the Bulls. They'd fuck it up just as much as the Magic would. They're not <laughs> going to find that player at eight. But it's, I think what's, what I would say is is not frustrating, but maybe kind of disappointing that the Bulls don't get to keep this pick is just the fact that it's one less way to evaluate this front office in terms of what they can do scouting players, drafting players, developing players. Like that's something now we won't get to see this year because uh, they don't have a first pick. It's it's not, it's just one less thing that we can judge them on when it comes to this new era of Bulls basketball. Like, because now the question immediately becomes, all right, they lost their first pick. They can't do what the Utah Jazz can do in terms of building through the draft. What next? Where where are they going to find the complementary pieces for Levine, you know, and then the rest of this team? Like, where does that come from? Do they move certain guys? Are are they going to try and get a pick back? What what are they going to be looking to do? So, um, you know, I think we lose an avenue of how to judge them, but I think it could potentially give us another way as well. So it's definitely interesting. Yeah, I think this front office has shown that they're going to shoot their shot. And I, I don't expect it to be a quiet off season. I expect the Bulls to be a playoff team next season. 
I mean, you got two all-stars who, you know, and one of them got hurt late in the season. We'll see what additions that they make um, during free agency. And then uh, we'll see how Patrick Williams develops. I really loved what I saw. That guy can emerge. Uh, A rookie very rarely impacts a playoff team and has them ascend to be a playoff team. That's a very rare thing. So I think it's okay that we don't have this pick. We're going to still be able to evaluate them this upcoming season pretty well. Um, But yeah, in terms of how they evaluate new talent, yeah, that probably lessens that part. But as a front office and making the team better, I think there's still plenty of things we can take a look at. Oh, for sure. And and yeah, I, that's that's definitely why I said uh, it makes it more difficult. It doesn't make it impossible. Yeah. It just makes it a little bit more of a challenge for for you know to be able to to dissect what they're going to be looking to do. But yeah, don't love that they lost their first pick. But um, yeah, I don't necessarily think it's the end of the world because I think that like you were saying, they're going to explore other opportunities and avenues to get this team to where it needs to be. So, Jackie, yeah. you're going to eat your fucking words when Patrick Williams becomes the next Kawhi Leonard, but stays healthy <laughs> and is even better. I, that's what Nas wanted to say, and he was a little too nice about it. Patrick Williams is the next one up. He's already well, a top I'm 10 player in this league. For, what, I, what I'm saying is they're going to trade for Damian Lillard, so it's, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm, what, all, what I'm all for it. I'm all, <laughs> I'm all for it. Um, so really, I mean, we don't have to take a super deep dive here. Um, we're about an hour, a little over an hour in just some quick, quick thoughts. What, what are we thinking about the conference finals? I, 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 let's start with Atlanta, Milwaukee, since there hasn't, there isn't a game played in game two, as we're recording, this is on for Phoenix and LA. What is this series, man? I'm excited about it. I, I just feel like I just never, I didn't expect it. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm, you know, <laughs> we got this young killer and Trey young that that's just fucking cold as ice. Going up against a guy who can't play basketball, but somehow averages 28 a game. You know, like, oh, man. Oh, man, that's hilarious. Uh, I, I think the Bucks are going to win this unless the Hawks can play small and still somehow play some defense. Because their best offensive lineup is the small lineup. I think uh, that's that's the way you get the, you get the bigs of the Bucks to stretch out. That's how you win. If uh, if they can play small and still play like some semblance of defense, they're gonna win. Um, otherwise, I feel like this is tailor made for the Bucks to win in five. Jackie, what are we thinking? Yeah, yeah I was I was just about. I, I think I think Trey is is good enough to to steal a game. Um, but yeah, I, I think I don't think this is. If the Bucks are what they should be. This will be a quick series. This this will be wrapped up in five games or less, if I'm being honest. Four or five, but I, I'll give them a game. You think, I'll, I'll you think they're gonna sweep? I think I think it's possible, but I, I'm going five. I'm giving the I'm going Bucks in five. I'm just saying. Hearing you, know, you say it, hearing you say it means I it makes me think six games. Six games sounds right. You're a little too confident with the sweep. That's making me feel weird. I think, <laughs> well, I've been, I think I didn't change my answer. Six games. Six games. The the Hawks the Hawks are are my are my magic from from two years ago. Frank and I were were just shitting on the magic left and right, and they you know they won a couple of games here or there. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel I feel good about saying five games. 
I um, man, I I just really wish Atlanta had somebody to guard Giannis because that's kind of where I'm at with it. Like, for all of his limitations, I just can't imagine him not having his way with those guys. And and Nas, to your point, like Atlanta's their small lineup is really good, but then it's like, what do you do on the other end when you have a seven foot freight train Euro stepping thirty feet? <sighs> And then you have Brooke yeah. Lopez who can stretch it a little. He's good in the pole. Like their big lineup is really good. I and mean, they're big. They're really tall and long. Yeah, like, yeah. Between, between Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez, like I think that's two seven footers essentially, and a dude who's yeah. like six eight, six nine. Yeah. It's just like, I, what's the tall like outside of Capella? What's the tallest guy on the Hawks? Like I don't even know. John it Collins. Feels, I feel like it's around like. It's like yeah. they have like two guys. One of them is a screen and roller. Like he can't put the ball in the basket in any other way. And then and then you have John Collins. And we'll see. I mean, John Collins. I mean, he he showed me something this playoffs. He's played really effectively. We'll see if they can play some defense when they go small. And uh, you know, maybe give. I mean, we know Bud's not going to make any adjustments. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's so, true so yeah. when they go small if they do it effectively they're gonna do it all series because we know bud doesn't have a response that well, is I, true i i I'll be, I'll be curious to see if the bucks you know I, I i'll be curious to see if they if they go like uh like heat versus the bulls in uh in in 20 like their you know 2011 2012 where it was uh it was it was LeBron guarding Derrick Rose to just kind of eliminate any kind of yeah. offensive threat. So I'll be curious to see if they do that with uh, with Giannis on on Trey Young just to kind of see if they can maybe shut him down a little bit. But now you know, Drew 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 is going to take care of that. And, uh, that's what Trey, I figured. But Drew, I would just be curious to see if they try. And, yeah, I I don't think that'll be a real kind of issue for for Drew Holiday. I would just be curious to see if if they try it at all. And, you know, uh, we'll yeah, see. I, 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 I'm interested. What I'm interested to see is if the Bucks really actually try to hunt Trey Young because they were not hunting Harden nearly enough in that series. Harden couldn't freaking run, and over and over again, oh, I, I'm yeah, I have the ball one on one with KD, the best defensive player on the other team. Sure, <laughs> instead of just pounding hard, like I, I don't understand. So we'll see. If, if the Bucks can really tire out Trey on the defensive end, we'll see what they do. For sure. And then, I mean, really lastly, um, you know, it's an hour past game start. So game two hasn't even started just yet for the Suns and Clippers. Uh, <laughs> the NBA likes to be fashionably late. What are we, what, what, what are we thinking on this series? Obviously Chris Paul is out uh, at least for game two. Kawhi is missing the first two. Where are we at with it? Because I'm, I'm, I've been Suns in five every single series just because I love Kevin and I want him to get a ring. And they've been really fucking good this postseason, so I'm still Suns, sticking with it. Suns in clean sweep. They're done. In, Ooh, they're done. In wow. Even, I mean, even if Kawhi comes back game three, we're we're sweeping. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Suns are we're we're, out, we're we're a Suns podcast now. This is what this podcast. Hey, this is the become. thing. This is all it's about. You. I don't think people truly understand how much this Sun team means to me as a fan since March, 2021. Like it just, it's astounding to see them do this. Like I'm going to cry even, <laughs> even talking. You're so stupid. <laughs> You're so stupid. Nah, Nas, what are we, we thinking? Think. It's the Sun's year, baby. Sun's year. 
Dude, I but I kept telling Kevin like if this if there's a year, man, Listen, this oh is gonna God. be it. If, it if no, were, yeah, it to stay healthy through this. This is your freaking season, man. Yeah, and and you know what though, it, they they remind me a ton. Not necessarily you can't make the like any sort of play style correlation, but just like the rhetoric or the narrative, it reminds me so much of the 2016 Cubs because. They were just like, I remember I used to listen to the Buster Only podcast a ton. And this guy used to come up who was super in tune with the minors. And he's like, the Braves and the Phillies both have fucking killers coming up next year and the year after that. And and so-and-so in the AL has this guy coming up and this guy, like, they're going to be good. And, and it was 2016. They were like, it was like two months into the year. They're like, this is going to be the year that the Cubs have to do it because they're not built. Like this core is going to have to break up. They can't pay everyone. And he was sort of like breaking down what he thought. And he wound up being really dead on with it. And that's kind of how I feel with the Suns. Like injuries are happening. They're also just a really good team as it is. Like this just is lining up to be their year. And I think they're going to fucking win it all, man. It, it's looking like that, man. I'm, um, It's really cool to see. And it's awesome to have such a fresh team. It is. I want, I want Chris Paul to, I want Chris Paul to win a ring. Like I, I yeah. had, I've had a Chris Paul jersey. So I got the, uh, the 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 blue New Orleans Hornets one. I've, I had that for a, like a long time. And then as soon as he got traded to the Lakers, I was like looking for the Lakers shirt, you know, the shirt jersey thing. And then I found out that he wasn't on the on the Lakers. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. And then he gets to the Clippers. So I go I buy a blue and a red Clippers shirt jersey. Like I've loved Chris Paul forever. And uh, I, I would just, you know, I, I would love to see him get a ring um, as like kind of like the leader of this team. Like, it's just it's so fascinating when when he was traded to the Suns, um, everyone was kind of just like, yeah, whatever. Like, who cares? Doesn't really fit. And then it just like, like he turned this team into just one of the best teams in the league. And, you know, obviously supplementing Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Ayton as well. So that's um, just, yeah. yeah. I'm astounded he hasn't won an MVP yet, to be quite I, I get this has been LeBron's league and Kobe's league, like, but he has turned franchises around. Uh, like, yeah. I've really <laughs> never seen, especially from someone who isn't as physically dominant. Like, you have your LeBrons and Kobe's who are 6'7", 6'8", 6'9". This guy is like fucking five foot ten, And he just goes in and just commands a team and leads teams and gets the best out of everyone. And people may hate him. He may push them to a, but he makes them better. We've seen him get into arguments and shit, but you know what I mean? Like, it's clear that he knows what he's doing to get the best out of every single one of his teammates. And I, I just, it, even last year, like that could have been, or even this year, that this could have been an MVP campaign for him. He got the, the I and mean, we've seen Devin Booker do Devin Booker things without him there, but he wasn't winning. CP right. is the clear key to this engine here. And I, I, I wouldn't have been mad if he won it last year with OKC. I mean, there was like, I can't name three players off that team from last year. And they were like the four seed in the West or the five, whatever it was. Like, he got them boys to play. Like, this dude is fucking phenomenal, man. Yeah, I mean, they, he's, it's just crazy to see an all-time great like this and, like, kind of not really get their just doing it in any way. Because it's like, this is his fourth or fifth team that he's taken to the playoffs. Yeah. So it's like... Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just absurd. And it's like numbers are always great. Yeah. Like the like the especially like the advanced stats on him are. He's like a, he's an advanced stats. God, it's crazy. And he's not a guy who takes a ton of threes, which is hilarious. He's an old school. I, dude. I love the mid range. I love it. I'll still agree with him. It's yeah. I mean, 
it's it, it's kind of it is kind of crazy when you mention that he's never won an MVP. It, it I mean, he's deserved it, one. It, it, what's I his mean, what's his like top the finish? What what like he what is fourth this year? I don't know if he's I, ever finished higher, like third or fourth this year. I, I'm sure he's had a top three finish somewhere in there. But it's maybe. like, and then the the one thing, and this is where I'll end it, and we can we can get out of here if you guys don't have any other thoughts. The one thing that we talk about, and Nas, you know, that's why we love having you on because it's about context too. Look at the teams that he's like the franchises he's doing it with. The Hornets were abysmal. He goes there and has success with David West. The Clippers have, were the joke of the league for much of our life. He goes there and has success. He gets uh, he gets traded to, to fucking OKC. It's just like a dumpster fire at that point. He stabilizes that position. Like, everywhere he – and then obviously Houston, I, they've been better than all those other ones, but he goes and gets them to conference finals. Like, he's just he just does it anywhere he goes, man. Okay. He's, uh, he's phenomenal. Top, top two in MVP voting in 07-08 with the Hornets. Okay. Uh, top – Three with 11, 11 12. Uh, that sure was the Clippers? I, I think that was the Clippers. And then yeah, 2012, the 2014, top four, top five this year. So, I mean, that's four top five finishes. That's pretty good. It is. Yeah. But, but it still one, feels like, yeah, I mean, it, and it's hard. When you look year by year, because it's just like the bet, the person who had the most exemplary season with a, like a top team that finished top in the standings, like, it's just crazy because he's just he won he it speaks to his consistency which is yep. just insane and then it's I mean at the same time though he is a player from another generation in a lot of ways yeah yep. you know a lot of these guys that have won MVPs have been like top two in scoring and like it and like kind of uh I mean, have and like and have won the narrative early in the season. But Chris Paul, you've been getting the same thing from him since 2007. Yeah. So so it's like it bores it bores people and and people and you know and then I think the fact that that Clippers team never won a ring really got held against him. Yeah. And you know what? Some of it wasn't his fault. Some of it was a meltdown. Not gonna let him just get a free pass on that. But like I know there's a lot of injuries attached to that Clippers team. And yep. When they probably they probably should have won they probably should have won one of those rings from two from twenty ten to twenty fourteen somewhere in there if they're healthy there's a Clippers ring in there but well, you know I mean he he I'm just looking like on the basketball reference and it's like the little stat head thing and it Chris Paul is the third most defensive win shares all time by a player six one or shorter. Like that's yeah, like that's that's, that's something that people don't really talk about when it comes to Chris Paul is like how good defensively he actually is. Like I feel like God, they, they just kind of assume that you know they they focus on like the playmaking stuff, but like steel wise, he's just he's fucking yeah. phenomenal at it, and he's short as hell. Like he, I mean, he's and just a lot a great of great player, man. Like it, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate that he did run into the the Heat when they were doing the you know the you know, the, the, the teaming up and all that stuff. Like, I, I, obviously that will always be remembered. I just don't think the Clippers were deep enough to, to deal with, you know, and, and Blake Griffin, as good as he was in his prime, he was never like a, you know, a true, he, he was like more Giannis than, than, you know, Chris Bosh or something like that, I, you know, just like that type of player. So he developed um, those post skills and jumper a little bit. It seemed like after yeah. that, like prime Clipper team. 
Well, because he had to, because he he yeah. just couldn't, he couldn't just dunk on everyone in the playoffs. <laughs> that, that you know, Lob City wasn't a really realistic thing you could do in the playoffs. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, fellas, that's uh that's everything for me. I- I'm excited for these conference finals. Um, even though they both may end very early with injury situations and just matchups and such, but I'm looking forward again to talking. We're gonna have to do a deep dive on whoever makes the finals. Uh, and it, I mean, it may be two, it depends on what the scheduling looks like since we're only weekly, it may be like a, a conference finals recap and then let's really dive into the finals, um, and kind of go from there. But it's the sun's year, man. Sun's, sun's in year, five. <laughs> sun's right, in four. Sun's in four. All right. This has been the Corked Up Podcast. I'm Jack Savio. He's Frank Naris. That's Nas over there, you know, jumping in late because uh, he didn't want all the smoke from Frank. Um, <laughs> so but we always appreciate him jumping in. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Uh, like and subscribe wherever you do listen to this podcast or on YouTube. Um, and then we'll talk to you guys next week. We, we don't know what we're going to do at this point. Um, might be going back to football. Might maybe do a little baseball. We'll, we'll have to see. We'll have to see, Frankie. Yeah, no, we're definitely going to have to brainstorm and, and probably even get creative. We may go back to fantasy or something. I don't know. we got some time to plan. Everyone, if you made it this far, we appreciate you. We love you. Remember to like, subscribe, share. We're everywhere that podcasts can be heard. And if we're not, let me know the the uh, the vendor. I don't know which is the app that you use, uh, and I'll get it up there. So, so only a couple clicks. Thanks, everybody. Jackie, Nas, it's been a pleasure. Take it easy. <laughs>